0: Hello. Um, I am so excited to be here. I know I say that every time, but I really mean it every time. I am so excited to be here and to talk to you about this today. Um, Today, we're at the end of the series of our Naturally Supernatural series um, where we have learned about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We have spent This summer, talking about physical healing and prophecy and the gift of faith, the gift of service, miraculous powers, uh, the gift of discernment of spirits. We've covered a lot of really fun, interesting ground this summer. I hope you found it interesting. So a gift, these are all called gifts. A gift is something giving willingly to someone without payment, a present. Generally, when we are a gift giver, we are giving for an occasion of some kind, and ultimately we are giving the gift to make someone feel special, loved, or honored. If this is how we feel when we give a gift, what is it like when God gives us a gift to his beloved children? What is that? What is that? That's even bigger than what's in our hearts when we give. So as we think about The gifts that we've learned this summer, I think we mentally check off each one as good. Yeah, healing, good. Yeah, these are all good things. Um, And it's all something that I think maybe we all would be interested in either giving or receiving or both. And then we come to the topic for today, the gift of speaking in tongues. And I'm pretty sure, I don't know if you guys heard that. Did you hear the record scratch um, when you got to that one? Yeah, right? Because people are like, yeah. Um, so let me tell you that when Pastor Rich first asked me to talk about speaking in tongues, I thought, that's going to be one short sermon. Um, because it's not an easy subject. Most of us don't really fully grasp what it is exactly. Um, I remember as a kid, I heard it. Uh, I heard Jimmy as I'm flipping through the chan. Well, I wasn't doing this as a kid. Sorry. I was doing this as a kid, um, flipping through the channels, um, but I remember seeing Jimmy Swaggart on television, and he was praying in tongues, and I remember being like, oh man, what is that? Let's change the channel. Um, and then uh, when I was older, and I was um, hanging out with my friend Patrick, who usually shows up in a sermon because he had a major impact on my life, um, and led me to the Lord, um, he, we were talking, and um, before I was saying yes to Jesus, I was asking questions, like, what is this? What is that? What about this? I don't know about that. And one of them really was, what about speaking in tongues? Come on, what is that all about? Because I was not getting duped. I was not, I wasn't. I, was, I wanted all the facts before I said yes. So essentially what he told me was, and I was like, well, what is it? What does it sound like? And he was like, well, it sounds kind of like this. See my bow tie, tie my bow tie. See my bow tie, tie my bow tie. Get on the bus, get off the bus. Get on the bus, get off the bus. And, but he didn't really fully explain it, but I do remember that. I remember the bow tie and the bus. Um, so, you know, it's been a controversial subject since it came to this earth. So, and it always has been. Um, But I've truly enjoyed taking a deep dive into what it is, what it isn't, and coming to an understanding of why the gift of tongues is truly, truly a gift. So Paul in uh, 1 Corinthians 14 says, follow the way of love and eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people, but to God. Indeed, no one understands them. They utter mysteries by the Spirit. But the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. Anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies themselves, but the one who prophesies edifies the church. I would like every one of you to speak in tongues but I would rather have you prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues unless someone interprets, so that the church may be edified. So Paul starts talking to the Corinthians by saying that everyone's priority should be love, and only after that they should eagerly desire the spiritual gifts, what we spent all summer working, uh, t- t- learning about. He wants them to prophesy because it helps edify the church or build up the church. And that's what I spoke about in June. But now we're on the same passage looking at the other side of the coin. My understanding is that the Corinthians actually had these gifts backwards. And during their gatherings, they were doing a lot of speaking in tongues in church and a little bit of prophecy. He wasn't saying that speaking in tongues was bad. He was saying that there's a time and a place. So in my research, I learned that there was a group of people who, in Corinth, who were um, uh, worshipping Bacchus, which is the god of wine. You may have heard bacchanalia and all of those kind of words with, that have to do with wine parties and things like that. Well, what they were doing is they were getting drunk, and then they were speaking in their services um, because they were drunk. Nobody could understand them. So I, I wonder if that's also why Paul's, Paul's like, ah, we don't want that. We, we want people to understand what's happening so they know what they are receiving. Kind of like me asking all those questions. What am I getting here if I say yes to Jesus? Paul wanted it to be clear. So Paul goes on to say, even in the case of lifeless things that make sounds, such as the pipe or harp, how will anyone know that what tune is being played unless there is a distinction in the notes? Again, if the trumpet does not sound a clear call, who will get ready for battle? So it is with you. Unless you speak intelligible words with your tongue, how will anyone know what you are saying? You will just be speaking into the air. So again... He's saying there's a time and a place for tongues. But Paul is saying that if it's a distraction from worship for others in the church gathering, then we shouldn't be doing it. Again, not bad, just a time and a place. We shouldn't all just make sounds like instruments that isn't playing a tune. It's hard to listen to it and it serves no purpose. Have you ever heard when the kids get home third grade with their recorders? Your ears will bleed because they're not playing a tune um, yet, hopefully. Um, So when I started attending church as an adult, I had to close my eyes, because everything was a distraction to me. People were raising their hands. Why are they raising their hands? What is that all about? Because I knew nothing of anything. So everything was a distraction to me. So I learned to close my eyes uh, when things would be distracting to me so that I could actually worship. In the beginning, people simply raising their hands were just too much. Um, In group settings, what Paul is saying is that we need to make sure that our actions aren't keeping others from worshiping. It's like when people who want to dance or move their bodies to the music in a worshipful way, well, it's probably best for them to move to the back of the room so that other people aren't saying, what is that, what is going on, and not worshiping. Nobody's saying, don't do it, but... Don't be a distraction to others. Someone speaking in tongues is a little bit harder um, because you can't just close your ears um, or go move to the back of the room or something like that. So Paul is saying, unless you have someone who can interpret what the person speaking in tongues is saying, um, it's best not to do it in a group setting. All right, let's jump in. What is speaking in tongues? Speaking in tongues, which is also known as glossolalia, um, is a prayer language. It's pretty simple. That's what it is. It's a prayer language. I think because we don't understand it, we make it something bigger than it is. We make it something more um, complex than it is. It's literally like I learned how to speak Spanish, so now I can do that too. Um, And it's as simple as that. But it's powerful. It's a private way to speak to God through the Holy Spirit. Paul refers to it as an angelic language that we are speaking secret truths or mysteries by the Spirit. If you haven't heard it before, it totally sounds like gibberish or made-up sounds or get on the bus, get off the bus. Um, When we speak in tongues... We are not taken over by anything. We are not taken over by the Holy Spirit, but we are allowing the Holy Spirit that lives within us to speak through us. What's interesting about speaking in tongues is that when I speak in tongues, I don't know what I'm saying. Again, it's a prayer language that only God can understand, and I'm praying from my spirit. I can feel that the Holy Spirit is with me, um, and I f- sometimes I often feel more peaceful when I do it, um, but I, I still don't know the actual words that I'm saying. I wanna show you a video that I saw about a study that was done at the University of Pennsylvania, um, and it took a scientific look at what happens in our brains when we are speaking in tongues. So let's watch. At the University of Pennsylvania, Dr. Andrew Newber is looking for an explanation for what comes this unexplainable. Not language. It's not regular language, at least they are normally activated the frontal Newberg is exploring the relationship between faith and science, studying what happens in the brain during the deepest moments of faith. But really, when we look at this very, very powerful work in the history of religion and spirituality, I think we really have to take a look at how that affects our brain, what's changing or turning on or turning off in our brain. Like I go around. He's recently published a study of Americans speaking in tongues. Remarkably, he discovered that what's happening to them neurologically looks a lot like what they say is happening to them spiritually. Make sure we all that in there. We asked Pastor Jerry Stoltzfus to come to the university to have his brain scanned while he speaks in tongues. This way, we could see the experiment in action. I don't think faith was anything to be afraid of from science. Science validates faith. So, Bring it on. Whatever the facts are, bring it on. that they have, because they say that they're not in charge. They're, it's the voice of God, it's the spirit of God moving through them. Dr. Newberg says the results were even more dramatic on subjects who were scanned without a nightline crew in the room and who were not speaking in tongues on demand, as Jerry Stoltzfus had done. Well, uh, Study participants like Donna Morgan first listened to music, then went to where the spirit took them. When I heard about the study, I already knew it was in my spirit that it was going to be proven that there's a part of our brain that we have no control, that when the Holy Ghost is interceding for us, we're out of control. What happens in the brains of Buddhist monks meditating and Franciscan nuns praying? And it was noticeably different from what happens to tongue speakers. That's in fairly stark contrast to the people who are like the Buddhists and the Franciscan nuns who are in prayer because they were very intensely focused, and those individuals that follow those actually increased activity. Interesting, right? Really interesting. You're like, whoa. But as, as he said, what I experience and what others in the room who also have this gift experience is what they said. I'm not doing anything, I'm not making up the words. And I can tell you, I tried that because when you tell somebody that you want this gift, you, um, they're like, oh, do this. So I remember sitting in my living room um, and just being quiet and they're like, just move your mouth. So I did that. And It didn't, nothing happened. Nothing happened. I'm not saying that's not how it happens for other people, but nothing happened for me. So, as I was growing in my faith, whenever there was a prayer call to receive the gift of tongues, I'd be like, yeah, sure, I want that. Someone would pray and I would feel the Holy Spirit, but nothing much would happen. Um, This went on for over 10 years. I'd be there. Anytime there was a call, I'd be like, yep, I want that. Um, And I remember feeling a bit like a fraud because I felt like there should be. I should have the gift of tongues, and if I didn't have the gift of tongues, um, you know I must be missing something. You know my, my God sash was missing its um merit, was missing its speaking in tongues merit badge. Um, it was conspicuously missing. Um, so in 2011, I was asked to lead the prayer ministry at my church, and I remember feeling like they should choose someone else for several reasons. Um, but one of them was that I didn't have the gift of tongues, and I felt like someone who's leading something like that should absolutely have that should should not they? Even though I really didn't understand what it was, my pastor assured me that when the council prayed, they felt the Lord said that I was the one for this position. So it wasn't until 2017 uh, that I finally received this gift. I had invited Ken Fish, who's been here, uh, to come to teach the group of healing prayer ministry. The That group, and at the end, he prayed for all of us individually. It was a very powerful time of prayer. Many things happened. Um, Close to the end of the time, he was praying with one of the pastors there. I was sitting on the floor across the room, just um, being quiet, enjoying the the the, uh, presence of the Holy Spirit. And he started to pray for this guy to say um, that he was prophesying over him that he would be somebody who could pray for people and they would receive the gift of tongues. Well, as he was praying that, I'm over on the floor. I start crying, the Holy Spirit kind, not the sad kind. And all of a sudden, the, the, the gift of tongues started bubbling out of me and bubbling out of me. And the only thing I could tell when it was happening was that I had conviction about what I was, whatever it was that I was saying, I had conviction about it. And what was really funny was, um, poor Ken, there were people in the room that knew that I wanted this gift, and uh, they kind of turned around and saw me on the floor, and they were like, yeah, and they started cheering, and Ken was like, I don't know what's happening. Um, and he just kept praying with, with, uh, with Caleb. But um, it just bubbled up out of me, and as I spoke in tongues, um, it's just like the video, I didn't know what I was saying. I wasn't saying anything. I wasn't saying it. It just flowed. I remember driving home that night and wondering if I could do it again in a much less spiritually charged atmosphere. And I was actually able to do it, and I did it the whole way home because I didn't want to lose the gift. Um, (laughs) And then I woke up the next morning, and before my feet hit the floor, I tried it again, and it was still there. So... Um, so, I find the, the sound tends to be a bit repetitive, um, kind of like what you heard um, on the video. When you hear somebody pray in tongues, you might off, uh, even think, oh, that kind of sounds like French or um, that, might sound, that sounds like Chinese or something like that, but it's not actual words in French or Chinese or another language, whatever it might sound like to you. Um, it's always interesting to me when I do hear people speak in tongues because I really do. am like, oh, look at that! Sounds different than I've heard before, um, and I can. What's interesting to me um, in the amount of time that I have been able to pray in tongues and speak in tongues is that I've noticed in the last two years that it has morphed into a different dialect that sounds more Native um, American than. Um, than what it used to sound like. So I have no idea what that means. Uh, But I also have other friends who I've mentioned that to and they're like, yeah, that's so funny. I've noticed that too. I got a head nod from Teresa in the back. Um, I don't know what it means, but it's it's morphed into something else. So I've got three languages now, which is kind of cool. So um, what does it mean if you have this gift? It simply means that you can pray in a way that no one other than God can understand unless he has given you or that person the gift of interpretation. It does not mean that you are some next level Christian superstar. So please remember that. Speaking in tongues reminds me of a story of work that um, some Native American soldiers did in World War II The Japanese uh, were intercepting our top secret communications and had figured out our codes. And they kept beating us in battles because they were able to interpret our next moves. So there were approximately 500 Native American soldiers in um, the U.S. uh, military, and they were able to use their languages because so few people knew those languages that they were able to, to use those languages and to send their mes- messages that way, and they couldn't be interpreted. Um, and then we started winning our battles. It's like that when we speak in tongues to God. No one can break our codes unless he gives the gift of interpretation to someone. So Paul says that it's expected that we can speak in tongues. And it's even normal for all of us to have this gift. We need to pray in both the spirit, tongues, and also in our own understanding, which is our own language. So in um, in 1 Corinthians uh, 14, verse 13, it says, For this reason, the one who speaks in a tongue should pray that they may interpret what they say for if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. So what shall I do? I will pray with my spirit, but I will also pray with my understanding. I will sing with my spirit, but I will also sing with my understanding. Again in verse 14, for if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. Paul is basically saying what was proven in the study at the University of Pennsylvania. Paul also mentioned singing in tongues, um, and uh, my friend Katie does that beautifully, and, um, and it's very powerful when she does it, just like Jessica was talking about. So what does interpretation of tongues mean? Um, it's just simply that, interpreting uh, the way someone, what someone is saying when they speak in tongues. It can be a person who is praying, praying. Um, The person who is praying, sorry, that's interpreting their own, um, I know when Katie sings in tongues, she gets um, an interpretation of what she's saying. So as she's singing, she'll say, this is what God is saying here. Um, I also have a friend, Kathleen, who has the gift of interpretation as well, and she said that this gift came to her because she started speaking in tongues, but she knew no one else who did it, so she had no one to ask questions to. So she asked God, what am I saying? And he told her. And after that, it just started to come more and more easily to her um, to uh, interpret And she said it doesn't always come. She can't interpret every single person that she hears pray in tongues. So sometimes it's situational. Um, I think most of the time when you pray in tongues, um, and like I said, it's like kind of on a loop Um, and you feel like you're saying similar things over and over again, and then you might move on to another thing that's a little bit on a loop, Um, most of what you're saying is, God, you are good, Uh, glory to you, God. It's praises and things like that uh, to his goodness. Tongues is called a heavenly language, and I assume it's what we will speak in heaven when we get to praise God for eternity. So a little bit maybe more of the the already, but not yet. We get to hear what it sounds like, but we don't quite know the interpretation yet. Um, Some believe it's like other supernatural gifts. Wait, I think I skipped a page. I did. Um, What what does it mean if you do not have this gift? Some faiths, like Pentecostals, believe that if you aren't saved, you don't have the, you, uh, sorry, believe that you aren't saved if you don't have this gift. You're only saved after you receive the gift of tongues. The Bible says that our salvation is only tied to believing that Jesus is the Son of God who died and rose again for our sins, not whether we pray in tongues. Some believe that speaking in tongues is demonic and not from God. Some believe that it, like other supernatural gifts, have ceased, have stopped completely. Well, um, many of us in the room speak in tongues, so that proves that that's not necessarily true. And also, when Jessica prayed for healing, uh, when she preached about healing a couple weeks ago at the end, I prayed for a guy who had broken his wrist the Sunday before. And we prayed, and God uh, healed him to the point where he was able to take off his brace and move his fingers and move his wrist in ways that he wasn't able to do when he showed up to the service. So I think that proves, and I'm sure more other, other people in this room have Um, stories of healings and those sorts of things. So um, it just proves that, that they still are for today. More often than not, when people believe that the gifts are not for today and they no longer happen, it's because they've never experienced them for themselves. And that makes sense. Um, If you've never, or if you've been taught that they no longer exist, why would you even try them for yourselves? So it makes sense that someone who has never experienced something and seen something that is so otherworldly, you know, bones, uh, what's it uh, Phil talk about? He he didn't talk about bones growing. He talked about things um, shortening and um, metal being prayed out of people's bodies and things like that that's not normal, that's not of this world. So it makes just go, yeah, I don't know about that. I don't, yeah. So I get it why people say it. that doesn't happen anymore. Um, so we say more of that stuff so more people can believe, Lord. In the book of Acts, Uh, chapter 2 verse 1 through 4 is the story of Pentecost. The disciples were all together in Jerusalem. Uh, When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. As this, as this chapter goes on, um, other Jews who heard them got really upset and accused the disciples of being drunk. Speaking in tongues, as I said, has been controversial since first day. I think it's one of the spiritual gifts that many believers are like, yeah, no thanks. I don't want that one. Um, often when we don't understand something, we are critical of it. If I can't understand it, then it can't be good or worthwhile or real. These are those oil people in my life. Yes, Jessica, I'm talking to you. Um, Always coming at me with one of those little brown bottles saying, rub this on your neck or put a drop of this on your tongue. Um, And wouldn't you know, though, what's interesting? It always works. Um, I don't understand why peppermint oil or lavender oil does what it does, but it works every time, and the results are real. With each time I experience it, I become less critical of it. Why do I try it if I don't believe it? You know why? Because the person coming at me with that little brown bottle is someone I have a relationship with, I believe in, and I know that I can trust them. And they truly believe in it, and that is good enough for me to try it. This is the same with God and the gifts of speaking in tongues. All of the supernatural gifts, really. We may not understand it or even possibly we are critical of it, but what is our relationship with God? He has been trustworthy up until now, right? Why would he call something a gift if it wasn't meant to truly bless us? What do we need to do to allow ourselves to move in this gift? Ultimately, we need to give over our control to God and trust that he doesn't give us bad gifts. Trust that the gift of tongues is truly a gift. When I am too tired to pray, I can pray in tongues and I am spending time with God. The other night, I was awake at 2 AM and I felt all of those, my worries and my fears start to come up, all of those nasty little, you're this and you're that and you don't that kind of a thing. And I just decided, huh, I've done a lot of time, a lot of research on gift of tongues. I think I'm just going to pray in tongues and see what happens. I was asleep within two minutes, and normally I'm awake for two hours. And not only am I awake for two hours, I wake up the next morning and I'm still feeling the ick of what was just bleh, bleh, bleh in those two hours. I, felt, I woke up and felt great. I've encouraged my friends this summer who are going through difficult times to start praying in tongues. They have fought a really good fight, difficult fights for many months. Um, in, on this earth um, and in the natural, but God has given us a direct line to him that no one can listen in on or mess up our plan, and it has power. We can take our battles to the heavenly realms through the Holy Spirit in ways that we don't even understand. I actually wonder just how truly powerful tongues is because it seems to be something that the enemy makes sure that we question a lot, a lot, a lot am I really saying anything? Is it really speaking in tongues or am I making this up? I feel stupid or you sound like an idiot. Again, the enemy's or Satan's greatest hits. All we have to feel is a little bit of doubt and we stop, we put it in a box and we put that thing on the shelf because I don't get it so I don't want any part of it. We need to trust the goodness and the faithfulness that we already know about our relationship with God and trust that if he says something is good, then it is. The gift of tongues is truly a gift. The supernatural gifts of the Holy Spirit are used to help us walk in freedom and stay in that freedom and not be tripped up by the schemes of the enemy. This series was not just a supernatural show and tell. It is what God referred to As equipping the saints. We are the saints that he wants to equip. That is so cool when you think about it, because we think about the saints, but no, the saints. He wants to equip us so we can do this beautiful work. So cool. I got to get back to this because I could go on and on and on about how cool that is. Um, So I'm just not going to do that. Um, (laughs) We are called to go out and do this stuff in the world, not just in the church, but out in the world where it feels a little less safe to do it because what are we going to look like? My prayer is that now that you have had a taste of these gifts, that you will put yourself in places where people are moving in these gifts and you would want to move in them as well. May we all make our hearts and minds willing to partner with the Holy Spirit and go out and do the stuff that make believers out of unbelievers and deeper believers out of uh, of those who already believe. Let's stop worrying about how we might look to others and say yes to what we have been called to do as God's children. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I ask that you would let CVC be a place where the supernatural gifts of the Holy Spirit are natural. They are, as Paul says, that we all can do them, and they're not for our glory, but for your glory, God. Let CVC be a place where people can come and see and believe in all the things that you have given us to bless us and to bless your children who don't even know you yet. In the name of Jesus, I ask that just as the disciples saw these tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each one of them, I pray that right now, in the name of Jesus, that those same tongues of fire would come down and rest on each one of us in this room and anybody who is listening right now, that all of us would be filled with the Holy Spirit and begin to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enables us. Lord Jesus, let this not be something that we are afraid of, that we run toward because you say it's good, you are good, and you are trustworthy. Thank you, Jesus. In the name of Jesus, bless us all. Amen.